0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Opposition Cast, in a week in which we have said farewell and paid tribute to Her Late Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. The death of the Queen has been an historic moment in all of our lives and in the history of our country, and I thought before we resume the normal series of episodes we should pause for a moment and uh, pay our own tribute to the Queen's reign in the words of just some of those who have served as leader of Her Majesty's Loyal Opposition. But before that, I just wanted to say a few words about the role that the Queen played in the lives and the uh, careers of uh, leaders of the Opposition, because It is worth noting that one of the things that marks our system of government is the fact that at the apex of our constitutional system, we have the crown, and that crown being worn for 70 years by the Queen, saw her sitting above politics, but playing a role in our system of government. And it's something which leaders have reflected on over the years. It is very real uh, in the sense that leaders of the Opposition, like all MPs, swear an oath of allegiance to the Queen when they become members of Parliament. But also it's now part of our constitutional conventions that leaders of the Opposition, if they are not already members of the Privy Council, are made members of the Privy Council in which they swear another oath uh, to the Crown and to the Queen. And despite all of the political arguments and debates that rage, and even uh, including those leaders who may have had Republican sympathies during their career, they all recognise that in pledging that loyalty they are pledging loyalty to the political system. And it's what gives us the constitutional stability that uh, we all take for granted in the United Kingdom. Despite what they might disagree on, they are all at one in their loyalty to the Crown and through it to the Constitution. When the Queen first came to the throne in 1952, we're all familiar with the footage of her descending the steps of the aircraft as she returned to the United Kingdom as Queen, and waiting for her on the tarmac alongside her first Prime Minister, Winston Churchill, was her first leader of the opposition, Clement Attlee. And all of those who have served as leader of Her Majesty's loyal opposition in the years since then have spent time with her. They have developed their own personal relationship with her. They will have seen her at state occasions and in private moments. And uh, all of them developed a respect and admiration for the way that she fulfilled the role. So let's hear from some of them. We're going to begin uh, in the modern era uh, with David Cameron, who later would, of course, serve as her Prime Minister. But the clip that we've got is of David Cameron speaking on the occasion of the Queen's 80th birthday in 2006.
1: As the Prime Minister said, Her Majesty has lived in two centuries through a time of incredible transformation the Second World War in which she served in uniform, the dismantling of empire, the joining of the European community, the ending of the Cold War and now into the new millennium. She has been a rock of stability, calm and good sense in a period of the most turbulent change. I had my first meeting with Her Majesty as Leader of the Opposition just a few weeks ago. As you try and explain what you are up to, You are acutely conscious that she has heard it all before and seen it all before. Her first Prime Minister was Winston Churchill. Her first Leader of the Opposition was Clement Attlee. I am the 19th Leader of the Opposition the Queen has had to meet. I am sure that, like others, Her Majesty has no doubt noticed that this number has increased all too frequently in recent years. However, she was, as ever, far too polite to point this out. To me, the Queen personifies two vital principles. The first is national unity. There are many things that divide us, but the institution of our monarchy and the integrity with which the Queen has carried out her role over almost six decades brings Britain together.
0: The next occasion on which tributes were paid to the Queen was for her Diamond Jubilee in twenty twelve, and the leader of the opposition at that time was Ed Miliband. Here's his tribute. Uh,
1: the question is that an humble address be presented to Her Majesty, Mr Ed Miliband. Yeah.
2: Mr Speaker, may I second the motion in the name of the Prime Minister and associate myself and my party entirely with the sentiments that he has just expressed. As the Prime Minister has so accurately described, her Majesty the Queen has dedicated herself tirelessly and constantly to the people of our country and the Commonwealth for 60 years. Her Majesty has led an extraordinary life of service, which sets an example to us all. And truly remarkable though her reign has been, what is striking is that it is in keeping with the reputation and spirit of the young Princess Elizabeth before she ascended to the throne. During the Second World War, her work with the Auxiliary Territorial Service gave inspiration and hope to millions and especially to young women desperate to play their part while their loved ones were fighting at the front. And almost 65 years ago, as this House marked Her Majesty's wedding to the Duke of Edinburgh, Clement Attlee observed in this House that Princess Elizabeth was already celebrated across the globe for her unerring graciousness and understanding. Mr Speaker, his words echo down the years, and we have learnt so much more about Her Majesty. Selfless, tireless in duty, unflinching in service, unerring in her commitment to the people of Britain, stoical in the face of personal loss, and proud, as the Prime Minister said, of the extraordinary reach of the monarchy and its values to the Commonwealth. With Prince Philip at her side, she has indeed shown the most extraordinary dedication to duty. And, Mr. Speaker, when we tell each other her remarkable story, we speak too of the timeless characteristics of our country and all of the people who have served it. Her Majesty's life reminds us of the true value of service. And her reign is indeed a golden thread that links people within and across the generations. For the generation that emerged from the war itself, the coronation provided the opportunity to come together in celebration. There was often only one house on the street with a television set, and people crowded round to watch, sharing in community with one another. For our own generation growing up, it was the Silver Jubilee in 1977. I remember being at Hyde Park as a seven year old as part of those celebrations. And then again, the Golden Jubilee on those glorious summer days in 2002. This year in June, it will be the next generation's turn to share the excitement. And Mr. Speaker, in these moments, we are reminded that we are far more than just disparate individuals and communities, but a nation with a shared sense of purpose and integrity. When we celebrated the Golden Jubilee, it fittingly became not only a celebration of the Queen's reign, but of the very best features of our country itself. Now, as the Prime Minister has said, across her 60 years, the Queen has witnessed an astonishing array of changes right across our society. Some of these changes have brought huge improvements to our lives. Others have been more challenging. On one occasion, I attended a meeting of the Privy Council shortly after Buckingham Palace, showed its commitment to, climate change, to fighting climate change by adopting energy-saving light bulbs. I believe I was the minister responsible. Unfortunately, unfortunately, the transition had not been entirely smooth because the light was pretty dim. In fact, it was almost dark. As Her Majesty valiantly struggled to read the names of the bills being passed, through the, through the gloom, she caught my eye fixedly and remarked on the impact of these new bulbs. <laughs> As, as Secretary of State for Energy and Climate Change, I did confess my responsibility, but I'm pleased to say she broke out into a smile. Her reaction showed once again her great capacity to put people at ease no matter what the circumstances. Whatever she has been confronted with, Her Majesty the Queen has responded with genuine spirit. It is that spirit that means the Queen is received with reverence, respect and genuine affection wherever she travels in the world. And it is in respect of that spirit that we all come together to celebrate this year, the year of her Diamond Jubilee.
0: After Ed Miliband uh, came Jeremy Corbyn, somebody who was not renowned for his support for the monarchy. But even he, as leader of the opposition, played the role as was expected of him. And on the occasion of the Queen's 90th birthday in 2016, He paid this tribute in the House of Commons.
3: The
4: Leader of the Opposition, Mr Jeremy Corbyn. Thank you, Mr Speaker, and uh, it's a pleasure to second the humble address. Many people across the country today will be wishing Her Majesty a very happy 90th birthday, and these benches send our warmest greetings to add to that. May I say, Mr Speaker, as a relatively young whippersnapper... I'm fully in favour of our country having leaders of a finer vintage. (laughs) (laughs) Today we're talking about a highly respected individual who is 90. And, Mr. Speaker, whatever differing views people across this country have about the institution, the vast majority share an opinion that Her Majesty has served this country and has overwhelming support with a clear sense of public service and public duty as the Prime Minister just indicated. She's carried out that duty with enormous warmth. My dear friend Mildred Gordon, the former member for Bowen Poplar, who recently died aged 92 and whose funeral is tomorrow, met the Queen at the opening of the Docklands Light Railway. The Queen asked Mildred how she was getting on as a newly elected MP. And Mildred replied with the devastating honesty she replied to everything. She said she felt she had very little power to help her constituents. So the Queen took her on one side and, uh, with her customary wit, said, once they find out you lot can't help them, they all write to me. (laughs) In her reign, Mr Speaker, she's seen off 12 prime ministers. <laughs>
5: <a> <laughs> <laughs> <Another one>.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: Whilst recently I attended my first state dinner, she's received over 100 state visits and visited, as the Prime Minister indicated, well over 100 countries on our behalf. I admire her energy, wish her well in her continuing and outstanding commitment to public life. I wish her a very happy 90th birthday.
0: As well as those contemporary tributes from the Archives, uh, we heard from a number of other former leaders of the Opposition during the recent tributes following the death of the Queen. And uh, the first of those I'm going to play is from Harriet Harman, who was a cabinet minister in the Blair government, but also served two brief stints as acting leader of the Opposition, first in 2010 and then in 2015. This is what she had to say.
6: We're a constitutional monarchy, and for we MPs, the Queen was ever-present in the interwoven relationship between the monarch and her parliament. She underpinned our democratic system for over 70 years, underpinning it but never intervening in it. She was always salient but never meddled. She avoided controversy not by staying in the background far from it, she performed her role to the utmost, but she did it by respecting the boundaries. She carried out her duties and gave us her full commitment for us to carry out ours. When many denigrated, she always respected and supported Parliament, and we should be very grateful for that. Between her Ministers, and not just Prime Ministers, there was regular contact. After Labor won the election in 1997, I went up to the palace where, like the other new secretaries of state, she pointed me to the Privy Council and bestowed on me the seals of office. They are actual seals which are given to you and you take back to your department to be locked in a safe. But when just a year later I was sacked... (laughs) out uh, of the safe and taken back to Bu- Buckingham Palace uh, my diary was empty and my phone stopped ringing uh, my office was astonished to get a call from Buckingham Palace no one else wanted to have anything to do with me but the Queen wanted to see me I was invited to take, Queen, take tea with the Queen for her to thank me for my service as Secretary of State <laughs> The point, my point is that the relationship between our Queen and Parliament and our Queen and Government was never just on paper, but was always active and always encouraging. She radiated British values of duty, patriotism, internationalism, charity and service. But while she embodied British values, she never intervened in politics. And that is constitutional alchemy, nothing less.
0: Harriet Harman there reflecting on the constitutional balancing act that the Queen had to play during the course of her reign and also giving her reflections on the experience of losing office after being sacked. And another former leader of the opposition who spoke in the recent tributes Uh, also had cause to reflect on that point. Ian Duncan-Smith was leader of the opposition between 2001 and 2003 when he lost a vote of no confidence in the Conservative Party and was removed from office. That was an experience that he reflected on in his tribute to the Queen.
3: And, uh, of course, we have anecdotes about uh, what we did and I remember when I had ceased being leader of the Conservative Party, It, it happens quite a lot, really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think she was pretty used to it, actually. Yes. Uh, but she uh, kindly asked me to take leave of her officially, uh, which I thought was pretty kind, really. As, uh, said earlier on, nobody else wanted me to do it so
5: <laughs> it
3: was decent of her to do it um, and uh, I remember uh, when I came to the palace and I was ushered into her drawing room, small personal sitting room, I was struck by two or three things, one was the two bar electric fire which had a very strange piece of cardboard cut out in the shape of flames coloured with crayons I suspect by some, uh, somebody in the palace, yellow and red surrounding the two-bar fire, which I thought was peculiarly dangerous, but notwithstanding that, I'm sure it had a purpose. The other one was the Tupperware radio sitting next to her, which uh, I hadn't seen since my parents smashed their last one. And then she very sweetly asked me how I was, uh, being clearly sympathetic about what had happened. Uh, And I just shrugged and said, well, ma'am, nobody died and I'm still here. Whereupon she roared with laughter, and the funny thing was, uh, as she did, she paused, looking at me, not sure whether I'd actually made a joke or whether I'd not. (laughs) I laughed too, and then she laughed again. Uh, Whether at me or with me, I couldn't figure that out.
0: (laughs) Ian Duncan-Smith's successor as leader of the opposition was... Michael Howard and uh, he recalled an occasion on which he met the Queen when he was leader of the opposition.
7: Much has been said about the way she put people at ease and I had the privilege together with my wife of spending a night at Windsor Castle when I was leader of the opposition. I was amazed to find in the library the trouble that had been taken to assemble a collection of objects which related to my constituency of Folkestone and Hythe, <laughs> objects which I had known nothing at all about and which were quite remarkable. And perhaps the most, the most telling example of the way in which she could put people at ease occurred when, when a friend of mine, who had been subject to much trauma, was invited to lunch at the palace, sat next to the Queen, and in the middle of the lunch, froze. And the Queen sent for the Corkies, and together they fed the corkies and my friend unfroze and was able to continue the conversation.
0: Michael Howard there with his tribute to the Queen in the House of Lords and uh, as he mentioned the leader of the Opposition was on occasion during the Queen's reign uh, invited by her to Windsor Castle for what's known as a a dine and sleep and uh, you can see one of those uh, events from 1991 captured on camera in a an excellent documentary uh, for the bbc called elizabeth r a year in the life of the queen it was transmitted in 1992 and the bbc have now made it available again on iPlayer and i highly recommend you try and catch that whilst it's still there and available Um, Neil Kinnock and his wife Glenys were invited to Windsor Castle in 1991 for one of those events and uh, what's striking about it is that as Michael Howard said in his remarks uh, the Queen took great care to ensure that the exhibits that were shown to guests after dinner in the Royal Library had some relevance to them and uh, you'll hear here uh, Neil Kinnock uh, discussing one of the items that um, was uh, put forward for him, and uh, and then having a discussion with the then Home Secretary uh, Kenneth Baker uh, about uh, one of the other exhibits from Queen Victoria's diary. Whilst the Queen intervened it's a lovely section, and here's a little clip from it.
3: As the Bee Society
7: here. in February ni- 1898, and they sang according to Queen Victoria, they sang. God Save the Queen in Welsh. All of the miners, she says. I suspect this, this one is by Lord John
8: Wesley himself. Knighted, yes. yes, that's, her, that's her writing, you see? That's and the Queen's writing. This trading. is in, her diary. And, and this is her diary, which unfortunately was rewritten.
6: I I Princess, by another Princess
8: Beatrice, yes. And, I d- she tore up. She thought her mother's diaries were too frank. Ah and so she destroyed them. She rewrote them. And it's you? the
7: expurgated version.
8: And that's her expurgated version, but, I mean, still very, very interesting.
7: A real copyplay, Victorian yes. copyplay. With a real rhythm of writing. But
8: her writing is very difficult to understand.
7: Would Sir Henry thank you, You've got a crib there, Kenneth. Sir William
4: Harcourt. It's Harcourt. <laughs> I thought you were Sir William <laughs> William very well. Good I, I, Sir Henry, thank Sir William Harcourt. Who was
7: the home secretary? I must say, as you watch these records, you're glad of the word processor.
0: lovely, ones. Neil Kinnock there, talking to the Queen at Windsor Castle in that clip from the BBC documentary Elizabeth R, A Year in the Life of the Queen. As I say, please do go and have a look at it. It's really worthwhile. And what's striking about that is that that exchange took place... In 1991, just a year out from the 1992 general election, which, had it gone differently, would have seen Neil Kinnock becoming one of the Queen's Prime Ministers. And it is, I think, notable that the Queen took great care to ensure that her political impartiality and her role as a constitutional sovereign extended to showing respect and recognition to the person who led her loyal opposition and who could therefore form a new government if her current ministers fell from office. And that, I think, brings us to the final contribution that we have in the programme, and that is of the tribute from Sir Keir Starmer, the current leader, now of His Majesty's loyal opposition, but the person that we can now say was the last leader of Her Majesty's loyal opposition. This was his tribute in the House of Commons.
5: The late Queen would have wanted us to redouble our efforts, to turn our collar up and face the storm, to carry on. Most of all she would want us to remember that it is in these moments that we must pull together. This House is a place where ideas and ideals are debated. Of course that leads to passionate disagreement. Of course temperatures can run high, but we all do it in pursuit of something greater. We do it because we believe we can make this great country and its people greater still. At this moment of uncertainty, where our country feels caught between a past it cannot relive and a future yet to be revealed. We must always remember one of the great lessons of our Queen's reign that we are always better when we rise above the petty, the trivial, the day to day, to focus on the things that really matter, the things that unite us, rather than those which divide us.
3: Amen.
5: Our Elizabethan age may now be over, but her legacy will live on forever. And as the children of that era, it falls upon us to take that legacy forward, to show the same love of country, the love of one another, as she did, to show empathy and compassion, as she did, and to get Britain through this dark night and bring it into the dawn, as she did.
0: Sir Keir Starmer, Leader of His Majesty's, loyal opposition, with his tribute to Her Late Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. That brings us to the end of this special episode of Opposition Cast, and I just want to end with another clip from that documentary that I mentioned earlier, Elizabeth R. A Year in the Life of the Queen, from the BBC in 1992. It features some extraordinary voiceovers. From Her Majesty herself, reflecting on her life and her work as monarch. And I think that one of the first of those, in fact, the one that opens the documentary, takes on an additional poignancy following her death. And I'm going to leave you with that today. Thanks very much for listening, and I'll see you soon.
8: In a way, I didn't have an apprenticeship. My father died much too young, and so. It was all a very sudden kind of taking on and making the best job you can. It's a question of maturing into something that one's got used to doing and accepting the fact that here you are and and it's your fate because I think continuity is very important. It is a, a job for life.